Uh, before this episode begins, uh, Lizzie and I forgot to do uh, the plugs because we are a professional podcasting duo out here crushing the game for all of our lovers and our haters. On every single level imaginable. <laughs> uh, this episode will be up uh, on Friday, May 3rd. And on May 4th, the 4th be with you, Truly. Uh, I will be DJing at Emo Night LA at Subterranean. Uh, so tomorrow night, come and hang out and we'll play some songs that you know, hopefully. <laughs> I might play Taylor Swift. There is no promises. Please don't play the new me. It won't be the new one, oh, but it God. is not It is not a promise, but it is also not, not, not a promise. Okay. Lizzie, where, where are you going to be? I'm going to be down in Atlanta at Shaky Knees. <laughs> so if any of you guys are going to be at Shaky Knees or if you're, you know, just hanging out around Atlanta and you're not fucking <laughs> weird or want to kill me or anything, <laughs> we can hang out. If you are also going to the group love after show in Atlanta at the Playhouse, definitely hit me up. We can definitely start a pit. I'm going to bring a shark inflatable floaty. Oh, my God. So when they play Shark Attack, I am ready. Jesus. Uh, we also just announced uh, June 5th. Is that the date? What's the date of this? June 5th. Wednesday, June 5th. June 5th. Uh, Emo Karaoke is back at Emporium. Uh, we are doing a fundraiser benefiting the Chicago Abortion Fund. Uh, and we will be singing the songs and we'll be raising the money for a good cause and we'll be hanging with the crew and it's going to be a good time, just like the last one we did in December for Black Lives Matter. Uh, so, yeah, look for that on, on the Facebooks. Uh, we have all of the event details on their details. And we'll have more to say about this as we go through the month because we'll it's also, like a month away. <laughs> we'll also have raffles. So fucking if, raffles. Yeah, fucking raffles. You can fucking win cool raffles. shit. We're uh, streamlining it. So if you're in Chicagoland area or over the border in Indiana or if you want to come down from Michigan or Wisconsin no. or wherever no. the fuck you live Don't. in the Midwest because <laughs> it's so easily drivable. Yeah, um, lovely. It'll be to any, you know, different area, different places around Chicago that you can hit up that we're going to be giving away stuff. We don't have anything super finalized yet. We do have from our friends Out of Context Productions. They're super rad and they donat donated to us um, a really cool, like, little package of, like, merchandise and two ticket vouchers to any Out of Context shows. So that's something you can look forward to for sure. And... You know, it's just going to be a really great night. Last time we did this for Black Lives Matter Chicago, we raised over $2,000. So yeah. we really hope that, you know, most of you are maybe out of school or you're like me and dying still in school. But I just want to abandon my responsibilities. <laughs> um, and you want to have a good time to kick off the summer. And you should definitely show up because it'll be fun. And you could scream, sing or accidentally scream, oh, sing like I did yeah. um, to Not all your accident. favorite emo bops. <laughs> Not an accident at all. All right, so, yeah, June 7th, we will see you there. June 5th is the date, not June 7th. Ignore what I said. June 5th <laughs> is the date. You're getting ahead of yourself there, aren't you, oh my God. God? No, I have, a, I have another show June 7th, but I will, I'll talk about that when stay, it's more relevant. Stay tuned for that. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that when it's more relevant. Uh, anyway, here's our episode, uh, an interview with Cassie Wilson of Half Access. Enjoy.
Uh, hi, 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 hello, hi. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast. Uh, I'm Brian. I'm Lizzie. And uh, we have a guest today on the episode, uh, Cassie Wilson. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I'm Cassie. I'm the founder of Half Access, a nonprofit working to make live music more accessible. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so yeah, we're just going to talk for a little bit with you about the initiative that you have. Uh, my audio setup is perfect as always, so uh, we'll find out during the editing how this sounds. <laughs> I'm sure you'll sound great, and me and Lizzie might sound like shit, but... We'll find out. <laughs> we'll sound how we feel and look. Sound how we feel and look. So Cassie, do you just want to give a brief overview of what Half Access is and how you started it? Because it's, it's pretty relatively new. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so um, let's see. It's We're coming up on two years, like kind of right around now. Um, so two years ago, I just kind of... You know, it's interesting. So I've been going to shows for, um, like, since, like, regularly going to shows since, like, 2014. But, um, I didn't really even start to think about accessibility, um, until 2017. Because at the end of 2016, I had a pretty intensive back surgery that made it so I can't twist around as easily. So if I'm in the front row, I can't really look for crowd surfers the same way I used to be able to. And so I started thinking like, you know, I really shouldn't technically even have to be in the front row just to be able to enjoy a show. Um, and also for anyone who doesn't know me, I use a wheelchair at shows just so that way that's clear. Um, but um, yeah, so um, so yeah, so I started asking venues if there was somewhere else for me to be. And the general answer I got was no. Um, most of them didn't have an accessible seating area. Um, at all and it was pretty much just like you can either be in the front and able to see but you're unsafe or you can be in the back where you can't see but you are safe so um i wasn't very chill with that and um decided to um start speaking up about what i was experiencing because there were times where i knew it wouldn't be safe at all for me to be in the front row um, and so I would opt for the back, but it's just like, I shouldn't have to when I'm paying for the same experience as everyone else. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, um, I, first I started kind of just voicing my thoughts on like social media. And then when I realized that a lot of people were backing what I was saying, I decided to create a more productive outlet. And so, um, half access, basically our website is a database of detailed venue accessibility information. So that way people can check out the website before they go to a venue for the first time to alleviate the stress of not knowing whether or not it's going to be accessible to them. That's really helpful. And how have you um, been able to kind of streamline it? Because obviously there's some venues that maybe don't update it or maybe it's so new at the same time that people just don't know until they get there. And then they're like, oh, shit, like I can't see anything now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, at this point, all of, so we have let's see, I think we're about to hit 170 venues in our database. And um, it's all just been like crowdsourcing and just like a lot of it's just been um, word of mouth. And, but my goal is, um, after I graduate and have more time to, uh, 
devote to half access i really want to kind of just honestly like look up like look at a tour flyer and just email all of the venues on it and just be like hey will you submit um accessibility information to our site and then also um i've had a couple people ask me if they can include it uh in their advances when they're booking shows so that's been really helpful too that's really cool that you've been able to kind of take that next step that a lot of people have they wanted to talk about it but nobody's been more proactive about it because also trying to reach out to so many venues i can only imagine how unwilling they want to admit it to people i feel yeah well and there's sometimes so the other thing too is like there's this whole idea of ada compliancy which a lot of venues can say that they are compliant with the ada but it doesn't mean that they're accessible and it's because like there's a lot of loopholes in the ada in terms of like um historic buildings which i mean at this point you know every year everything's getting older so everything's (laughs) going to be historic historic at some point um and so it's just like you know they don't have to change unless they do major construction or whatever um to become more accessible they just got to do the best with what they've got and so in a way um actually that's like also a big part of what we're doing is meeting venues where they're at um and just being like hey, like, you know, off the bat, we're just trying to get information because information itself is a form of accessibility. Um, And so we just want venues to be doing the best with what they have and hopefully be working towards becoming fully accessible. And so, yeah, there's some venues that have two flights of stairs that say we're ADA compliant, (laughs) but we don't have an elevator. And I'm just like, you're not helping anyone with that. That sounds so fake right now. (laughs) Yeah. So for also, so you also have, um, you also on your website, I see that you kind of have interviews and other like guest bloggers, it looks like. And I know one of them is actually from a podcast I listen to called Modern Vinyl or Serial Confidential, the offshoot of it now, um, James Cassar. Yeah. Uh, so how was it to kind of reach out to these different people who are kind of prominent in the music scene to start to speak out about, you know, either disability and ADA and being able to go to shows when you may be unable to like have to like be in the front row, but be like, Oh my God, like I might die. <laughs> Not in like the usual way when you're like in a pit, you're yeah. like, I'm going to die tonight. It's like, Oh <laughs> shit, I might legit die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love our blog so much um, because I get to learn a lot from other people because the thing is is there are so many types of disabilities and even though like a lot of us need similar accommodations it shows like there's still so much I can learn from other people and um I so far our blog has been a lot of people who I've just already been talking to about accessibility over the past couple years and like James is one of those people he's the first person I ever saw talk about accessibility in music and uh before I even realized that I should be thinking about that like that's how little like ableism is talked about is like me as a lifelong disabled person like didn't even know that ableism was a word until like two years ago like it's um yeah so I think that that's that's one of my favorite aspects of like spreading awareness um is just like getting to help uh, like share other people's stories um through that so yeah have you um reached out to different venues and either given like flyers or really prompted like hey let's try to 
join together in this initiative? That's something that we're planning to do. It's one of our goals for this year is to develop uh, materials to uh, give to venues based on what information we have in our database to be like, hey, this is what you're doing well, and here's where you can improve. And like, if you have <laughs> questions, like we are a resource for you. So that's something we're hoping to develop. We're just trying to grow our database as much as we can first. Um, we still don't even have all 50 states, but there's like certain states where we have like a ton of venues. So we're trying to cover more area and then, um, and then, yeah, really start doing that more involved outreach. Is there a specific state or states that have more venues added onto your list compared to like others? Yeah. Um, so aside from Portland, Oregon, where I'm at, where I've obviously inputted like anything and everything, um, Chicago, Illinois has been just like huge. Like they have like as many as Portland pretty much in our database. Um, and that's pretty much just from a handful of disabled folks that are regularly going to shows at various venues. And then they're just like, oh yeah, gotta submit it. And so then it just builds up over time. Um, I think our like we're getting more and more in the Northeast and then the rest are kind of just scattered throughout the U S and then we also have like a couple that happen to be from like Germany and like Slovenia and Canada. And I'm just like, cool. You're like, cool guys. It's okay. We, when we started podcasting, we got a fan letter from somebody in Germany and we wow. were like, you listen to us in Germany. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. So yeah. It's cool. like the weird, you know, the randomest thing. And you're, you're just like, Oh, that's cool. Power but, like, how did you find me? <laughs> I would Power assume the though, that uh, a lot of, I mean, from what I know about the ADA, which is admittedly not a lot, um, is that, you know, in in the U.S., it's like you said, ableism is not really like a, a talked about thing as much as it probably is in a lot of other places. I know uh, to every European country I've been to and every, well, the two Asian countries I've been to, it was very like, it, it's something that's on the, the like, just from like when you go to cross a street they have like sounds that play from the stoplights that like give you an idea if you like are if, you, if it's safe to go yeah if you're hard of sight you can see you, you can hear like uh cues to know if it's okay to cross and i asked about it and i was like why why is it doing that and like because some people can't see well you have to remember there are some there are some towns that have that but it's because of their tax dollars can afford it. Like mm -hmm. this, the town I live in, I don't live in Chicago. I live in a suburb. We have those. Mm -hmm. But if you go to any, you know, a few other surrounding I mean, <laughs> areas that are usually more like blue collar, you're not going to yeah. have them because I mean, your tax dollars are Here in Chicago, can't. we really don't have them. Yeah, I mean, no. It's, That's it's, interesting. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of the uh, sidewalk, yeah, audio cues, but... Um, but at the same time, a lot of the curb cuts either don't exist mm -hmm. or um, they're like just hor they like go straight down like into a pothole. And I'm like, thank you. That's so helpful. <laughs> like they can experience the pothole life, not only driving, but actually when I am navigating, trying to just yeah. get around. Yeah, exactly. No, it's just it, it's really uh, like I said, I'm not super up on up on this, obviously. And I uh, I'm very interested to hear more about it so i am i'm not so surprised i guess that america may not be as up on these sort of things as other countries or especially in in different facets of it like venues like just walking into a place or going into a place where you're like i i just want to enjoy whatever you have here and it's not 
suited for whomever, you know, comes into it and they're not even thinking about it. Uh, do you think that a lot of these places are fairly receptive when you reach out, that people are, are open-minded to what you're communicating? <laughs> Cause I think most of them for the most part so far are, um, because a lot of them just don't even realize necessarily that they're not fully accessible because they assume, oh, you can get inside, you're good to go. And it's like, so especially obviously mainly general admission venues, because almost every seated venue like has some sort of accessible seating setup. And so like, that's great. But yeah, like that's kind of where the name half access came from is like a lot of venues are just half accessible. Mm. Um, and so it's just like, most of them don't realize that they have an issue and um, and you do have to be so persistent to get to the right people who are going to actually make a change. Cause like I, you know, at shows I'll like go up to like a staff member and be like, Hey, can I be like in a different spot or whatever? And like, they, you know, they're not necessarily as concerned with like making actual changes in the venues as some of the managers and people are. And so it's like, there's one venue in Portland called the Hawthorne Theater, and they have been so receptive and um, protected their like they already had an accessible area, but it wasn't clearly marked and it wasn't protected from the crowd. And like that's completely changed. And now they made even more space and it's protected. And I'm just like, yes. And so it's like I'm happy to have a venue like that where I can have that as an example. So that way other venues who are just like, oh, we don't have the money to become accessible or something. And it's like, well, we can already get into your space. All you need is like a barric, like one section of a barricade and you'll be significantly more accessible <laughs> than you are. Is there any um, venues that you you cannot go to anymore just because they are just so unaccessible or <laughs> it's just so uncomfortable for you to be there that it's not worth your time, energy, and money, basically, at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, actually, the, the, the first – this is the first time that – like, this year is the first time that I've had one that I'm pretty much just, like, I'm never going to go there again unless my friend is running the show – which that's another interesting facet of like accessibility is like, I, um, I'm really lucky to know a lot of people who work at venues and be friends with them because I'm able to like guarantee that I'm going to have an accessible experience. <laughs> and what frustrates me is knowing that not everyone will be. And so, um, yeah, but the, there was, there's a venue that was built in literally, like, I think it was 1890 or something in downtown Portland. Yes. And it's uh it's rough it's it hasn't been a venue for very long because before it was like uh a porn theater i think so that sounds um, very portland so um (laughs) so uh yeah so it's just like it's rough and it's right next to voodoo donut aka like Mm -hmm. the like the original so it's like the most popular about i went to portland once yeah (laughs) two years ago and i went to original voodoo donut and i think i know what you're talking about yeah and so it's like so the only curb cut to my knowledge uh, to get in there is the one that's by voodoo and I don't I haven't been there in the summer yet, but I can only imagine the chaos it would be in terms of going down the sidewalk where the voodoo line doubles back around on the sidewalk and trying to get up to the venue, which then has like they put a deck outside of it. And so there's like a two inch lip just to get up onto the ramp that gets you up to the venue. And then they have a portable <laughs> ramp 
that gets you into the venue. But then um, if you want to be closer, um, you would have to, after your ticket's taken, go back down around, down the voodoo curb cut, out and around the patio, up the up the side of the other block, and in a back entrance down the steepest ramp you've ever seen in your life that's definitely not ADA compliant, <laughs> and uh, then get inside to the pit where there's nowhere to be safe. But then if you want to use the restroom, you'd have to go all the way back around and up top to the inaccessible restrooms. Like, it's just... The whole thing's just bad, and I'm just like, I can't go here anymore. It truly sounds like the yeah. worst adventure <laughs> to go on. Yeah. But at the same time, the other interesting thing about accessibility is, like, all it takes is a few people caring, because I, like, when I went and saw, let's see, what was the lineup? Uh, it was the Can't Swim Tour with uh, Home Safe and Safe Face. Um, uh, me, like being acquainted with safe face like they like hung out with me throughout the show and so i was watching from up top where there's kind of like one of the it's like a window in the wall you know it's like a cut out in the wall where there's like kind of a bar above the actual bar and so i was able to sit from up top to watch and it's like they hung out with me so i still felt included in terms of like not just sitting alone up top in the back and so like that made a huge difference in a venue that otherwise i feel unwelcome in that's always interesting to know that, you know, you're able to get those accommodations, but I feel like it's so ridiculous that, you know, even like popular venues, probably especially here in Chicago, like I can only imagine trying to get into sub T, which you have to go up this huge flight of stairs to get to like the upstairs portion because you can roll, yeah. you can roll on into the downstairs like nobody's business. But getting upstairs, I, there is no elevator. Yeah, I'm trying to think even all. if there's like a service elevator in there, but like probably not. And, it, yeah. uh, you know, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, where it's like these buildings are built without having to do that. And then it's like, what do you do? I also think that like if it's a large venue, like a House of Blues obviously would. Because they have the money to. There's, otherwise, there's they're going to get yeah. scrutinized about it. Yeah, but like a subterranean, which is more independent and doesn't have all of that, those connections uh, or, or, you know, and maybe you can speak a bit on this as well, but like if a, if a smaller venue would, you know, have that struggle with it, is there anything that they can benefit from as far as like tax breaks or, or support from the government in order to become more compliant? Or is there anything that a, a venue could, it, it, maybe you have some resources on your site as well that would show where a venue could go to, to kind of get those benefits? So I haven't looked into that a ton. I have heard about tax credits, and I'm also not sure if they vary based on state, which would be a whole other level oh, yeah. of thing. But I know um, back tax credits in general vary based on state because yeah. every state has their own set of sometimes bullshit laws. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, but um, but at the same time, like if it, you know, if there's like a serious accessibility issue where they can't do it with stuff they already have, like you said, like if they need an elevator or whatnot, um. I think the other thing, too, that music venues are lucky to have is community. And I think that very easily that, you know, the venues could throw a few fundraiser shows, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think any community would be like, you want to make your venue more accessible? Yeah, I back that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of like my current thoughts on it in terms of what I think would make the most sense for venues to do. At the same time. I don't know. And the other thing, too, is venues, if you think about it, every building is so different. It's not like they're, uh, just you know, 
I've always talked about this like a dream concept of just like a factory that just pumps out accessible venues of multiple (laughs) sizes. Um, But it's like, you know, they're all so different. And so the the structure it takes to put in an elevator and whatnot, and let alone them have the willingness to go through the effort to find the money to do it. Mm -hmm. It completely varies, but who knows? (laughs) Would you ever consider trying to do, um, like, fundraisers for specific venues? Like, say you're on your site and you say, oh, my gosh, like, we keep getting hits about this one specific specific venue that has, like, zero accessibility. It's just as ridiculous as the one that you described in <laughs> downtown Portland. Would, would that ever be something you guys would consider to do if it came to that? I mean, I think we'd definitely be down to, like, partner with venues um, to, you know, make sure that especially the disabled people are involved in the process of any accessibility changes because the, the last thing you want is to, like, go through a bunch of effort to make something accessible, but you forgot to include disabled people in the process, and so it's actually, like, not an ideal situation or whatever because um, that's what happens with a lot of, like, new things related to accessibility now. Um but um, but as for actually raising funds for them, I don't think we can do that as a 501c3. That's like a, I don't there's like a weird thing with like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, we'd totally be down to like partner with venues to be like, hey, you can do this, um, <laughs> you know, just support them in that way in terms of um, promoting their own fundraisers or whatever. You mentioned uh, that you're close with Save Face. Uh, are there other bands that have, uh, you know, kind of gotten interested in this with you? Like have said, like, yes, I, I see a need for this and I want to be, uh, you know, an up and coming uh, voice for this part of our fandom that, that needs this sort of thing just to support us. Especially because I think that this isn't, you know, in like our past podcast episodes, we talked about how, you know, there's like tokenism and like people don't talk about like, you know, how important it is to have health insurance and how nobody can <laughs> afford health insurance. But it's like something that we just don't talk about. I feel like yeah. this is something also that like people just they acknowledge and they support. But it's that same like retweet culture. Like, oh, I see that. I support. I'm going to retweet, but I'm not going to do shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we've actually like really gotten lucky and had had um, quite a few bands be really receptive to what we're doing. Um I forgot to mention this in the part about me talking about um, starting Half Access, but, like, a few months, well, like, four months after starting the idea of it, um, I won the subsidy APMA's grant um, uh, in, yeah, summer of 2017. uh, Went to the All Press Music Awards uh, to accept it, and and so that right away kind of gave us um, that like initial platform to like reach a lot of like bands in the scene. And so then like when I'm just like going to their shows anywhere or whatever, they like remember. And so then, um, so then it initiates that conversation easier, but, um, but yeah, so we've, um, like right after that, we haven't gotten the chance to work with them yet. Cause we were still like developing the site at the time, but, um, like Derek from some 41 reached out like just a couple months after that. Um, but then, um, yeah, like this year alone, we've already started working with a lot of bands. Uh, in January, Point North took our stickers and info on tour with them. Um, and then, let's see, 
trying to remember. So uh, Glacier Veins, who are from Portland, um, take our stuff on tour with them. Uh, right now we have stickers on tour with Movements. And then next month we're sending stickers on tour with Grayscale. And then um, Law Dispute has been uh, really awesome. Uh, we reached out about tabling their Portland show uh, next weekend. Um, but we reached out like a month ago. And so their um, manager and booking agent reached out to all the venues they were playing and asked them to send over accessibility information. And so then I was able to either update or um, add new venues to our database. So that's awesome. Yeah. So people have been really awesome about it. And, um, and then uh, one of the interviews that we have on our blog is with real friends who, um, like they've been helping me with accessibility at their shows for years. And so then, um, yeah, we kind of talked to them about like the importance of bands caring about it too. Um, and being aware. So it sounds like that there's a lot of bands, like obviously you have older ones, like veterans, like some 41, which I love some 41. So that's really fucking awesome. <laughs> and then you also have newer bands too, like grayscale, which they're really fucking good too. <laughs> So it seems like you're kind of you're getting the wide array of people. You're not just getting the newer bands. You're getting everybody and like everyone else in between. And I think that's a really, really cool, you know, thing that you've been able to do. And it's not like you're like really pushing them or reaching out. You're just saying, hey, what's up? I exist. And they're really open to it. I feel like that's something that needs to be more openly discussed honestly exactly. rather than just being like hey guys we have a we have stuff here but there's no like public forum about it mm-hmm. it's like let's get all like you know roman empire we can socrates and plato this <laughs> i don't even know what that reference was that you just made oh, i'm so sorry um shout out to weird, uh, uh, weird. argumentation and classic yeah. rhetoric classes yeah but you didn't think that the greek <laughs> culture would come roman this. Ah, it's a it's the same thing yeah. And that's my it only is. input on it. It is. Did the Greeks steal it or did the Romans steal it? Oh, the Greeks stole it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Do you feel the Greeks or Romans stole it, Cassie? I have literally no idea. Good. We like to, you know, give a give a good message and then immediately just get they completely just off topic and off. then just like, what the hell happened? There's going to be somebody who, oh, who's like a classics major who's listening yeah, to this. Yeah, they're going to be like, like, I took rhetorical theory, yes. too. I'm gonna be like, Thank did you. Did you hate rhetorical theory, too? Because I fucking did. You know that they're going to be this like, yes, the Greeks did steal. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's going to be like, dude, everybody knows that. Settle down. Hey, classics That's major exactly in the like I'll, Yeah, I'll like reference something from psychology, like very randomly, just like in a completely irrelevant context. <laughs> and I'm like... Wow, look at me applying what I've learned. Isn't it wild? Like, man, I, I must have like, I have ambivalent parenting. This explains everything. Uh, and people are like, the fuck does that mean? But you feel good. Unless you had authoritative parenting style, then I'm really sorry. Okay. No, it's really bad. So anyway, <laughs> back on the topic at hand here. So, um, what are your, uh, just overall, what are your favorite bands in general? The, the first band that I always, always the main, um, <laughs> yep. I was, I was admittedly kind of late to them. I didn't, I didn't get into them until 2015, but now I'm just like, 
yeah, if I was stuck on a deserted island, that's the band's discography that I would want. So, you know. Um, and then um, A Will Away, one of my favorite bands. Um, Save Phase, Home Save. Uh, let's see. Been very into the new Small Talks album. Um, what else? I listened to so much. Also, just like for like months, I was just like on a really big singer-songwriter kick. And so I was just like boy genius all the way um wow yeah. emotionally wrecked truly. <laughs> yeah pretty much you know just truly. the darkness of winter <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it's just how we roll it's okay it'd be like that but yeah and then yeah and then i listened to a handful of uh portland bands local music's always been very important to me so glacier veins is just naturally like i i call them the best band in the world because i think they are so <laughs> <laughs> okay we're here we're here for the support yeah <laughs> i've heard of the main and that was the last of the words that i understood that you just said uh safe face <laughs> fox they've got a really great set at riot fest yes. and somebody was trying to crowd kill at like two in the afternoon on a sunday Oh my yeah, God. and I there was only maybe like ten people in this pit. Like it is not enough people to try to crowd kill at two in the afternoon on a Sunday when it's eighty five degrees out. I was like, can you not do this right That's now? <laughs> it was a great set though. I really like say things. So yeah, I'm too old and I don't know any of these bands. We but... do this thing, where... and I'm too young. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's this thing, and we just call him the old decrepit man. He's my old decrepit man. <laughs> I just think all these new bands are coming out and there's no room because I already have full CD player. <laughs> the fact that you have a CD player is wild. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the joke. I keep buying CDs and my new laptop doesn't have a disk drive, so. <laughs> You're like, well, where do we go from here? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so wild. So have you um been able to kind of have other tabling events but like outside of portland in a sense where you have people like me who volunteer and you're like i'm here at this table representing half access instead of just sending out like stickers with bands and hoping that you know they're able to communicate that message like fully and effectively after they sell their hopefully they're selling their merch because they need to eat <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, we are just starting to expand into that with um, our board member, Sean, who is in Denver. And so we're just slowly finally getting him set up with everything he needs to table in Denver. And so that way we'll hopefully be able to communicate that any like tours that we're tabling the Portland date of that we're also able to like have a presence at the Denver date, too. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to expand from there. Um, I think. I think it was something interesting that I've noticed um, over because we've only been tabling since we relaunched the website in September. And so um, something I've noticed is that it's very hard to get like teenagers to come up to nonprofit tables, which is actually one of the pros of like having uh, stickers at like bands merch tables because they can just kind of like take something and then like look it up more on their own. Um but, uh, but we've done really well. Where, where we were, I was like, where did we just table like <laughs> last weekend? Um, uh, we tabled the Taking Back Sunday in the main shows and that was like totally much more our crowd. Like, um, 
people who are like in their mid to late twenties actually aren't afraid to talk to people, which like I totally get. I was absolutely that person who was like, nobody talked to me. I'm just here to see the show. But like now that I'm running a table, I'm just like, man. <laughs> so we're still trying to figure out how to connect with the youths. But I feel like that's the, the hardest youths. part because you hope that they're like super hyped, but they're not super hyped they're just hyped for like the band that's there and sometimes they're not even hyped for the band that's there and you're like what are you here <laughs> for i don't understand but yeah so it's it can be uh hard to hard to engage people but we're still learning and i mean shows in my opinion are the most direct way to we to reach the people that we affect so i uh so we're just gonna keep at it and we also um want to kind of get out more in the Portland community as a whole um, at like street fairs and things like that to have a presence there for maybe the more casual concert goer who we wouldn't catch at um, at some of the shows that we table. Yes, I know street fairs because my my normal day job is like doing like promotion. So we go to like street fairs all the time. And like even though we're like an established radio station, getting like non 40 to 60 year old people to come up and like talk to us and not be like, I've been listening to this since before you were born. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. I hope to never be that person oh, in God. my life. <laughs> if, if it is, can I hit you? No. Well. All the bands that I care about have already broke up. So. <laughs> the they still together? And if they didn't, I don't care about Sunday them anymore. Together. That's Taking Back Sunday is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, there's, don't say anything. Don't jinx this. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> right after this tour, they're going to be like, all right, guys, we're done. We're not going to play Riot Fest players. every year, and that's it. That is accurate. They are going to just play Riot Fest they're gonna every be year. The, they're the new Andrew WK. <laughs> they were not announced, but they will show up. Oh, we know it. We know it. There's no Chicago date. It's off. It's off. Yeah. We know. We know. <laughs> so in Portland... um. There's, like, hella food and coffee scenes there. So what are some of your favorite <laughs> places to hit up? Because I hit up, I feel like, only, like, 5% of what I should have hit up when I was there. Well, fun fact, I technically actually live, like, 40 minutes from Portland. I live in boring Oregon, literally. Oh, yeah, um, there. I, I was going to say, are you in Beaverton? They have really wild names out there. Why would you choose to name <laughs> something boring Oregon? It's truly the biggest troll. And then do people have there you, just call um, it Boringen? <laughs> have you heard that we are also paired with Dull Scotland? That's unfair. Wow. Yeah. That is just unfair. Wow. But uh, no, I think it was some guy's last name. But anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for so that dude. <laughs> I'm like still still learning um, in terms of Portland food. My favorite place, which is like not saying much because I haven't been to a lot of places, is like probably the whole bowl, which is basically just like there's like one thing to order and it's like rice and beans and they have like just the most magical sauce that goes on it. <laughs> People will stop by and be like, "Can I buy it?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> oh, and um, and then like a bunch of veggies on top and stuff. So that's amazing, and it also works great because then like pretty much anyone with any food restrictions can eat it. And I'm like, sick. Um, <laughs> and then except for they also have cilantro on it. So then you got your friends who are like, "It tastes like soap," and I'm like, "But it's so good." I know, right? I have some friends <laughs> who are like, "Can I get no cilantro on here?" And I'm like. Mm. Just I can't really. Those are the type of people who get lettuce and tomato on their tacos. 
<laughs> I have not been to Portland. I would very much like to visit, and you've made it sound delicious. Yeah, Even and then your town um, sounds boring. I, Got it. <laughs> I uh, let's see, what was I? Was it last week? God, I don't know. Yeah, a week ago, I went to Next Level Burger, which is a vegan burger place, and it was very good. Very good. <laughs> Wow, there's there's these places I just missed when I was out there. Yeah. Granted, when I was there, I was very overwhelmed. I went to like the little food truck. Oh like, yeah. Square, whatever it was, and I was like, do I get something from every single food truck? Because <laughs> I was just that overwhelmed. Yeah. I know. I hate decisions. That's why I like the whole bowl. You have one choice of what to order. <laughs> they say this is the only thing you can get, and if you don't like it, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I want to know more about this boring Oregon. <laughs> I know it's, it's probably just uh, a suburb, but I'm so intrigued that, like, I just, this is a whole name. It's honestly, it ain't even a suburb. It's definitely rural. Um, but, like, it's, I don't know. I'm lucky. I live in, like, a forest and, like, on shared, like, family property. It's, like, so nice out here, especially, like, spring and fall. I, I don't care about summer. It's <laughs> a mood. Same. Damn. Same. <laughs> That's but, the only season um, we like here in Chicago. I don't like. I don't like that season after I've been at Lollapalooza for three days and I'm on my fourth day having you don't go outside passing out because it's 102 degrees. We're still. I like to. I like to inside. look out the window at summer, but I don't like to feel. Summer. <laughs> You're like, I'll walk outside for five seconds to go and get an iced latte, and then sit inside and be like, look at that out there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, but uh. Kids run. But yeah, it's it's quite isolated, and I hope to someday live closer to Portland, so that way I don't have a forty-minute commute to shows. <laughs> That's a mood. Also true. That's a hard mood. You were about to say something. No, no or are you sorry. breathing? Sorry, I was just breathing. Wow. I apologize. I Can't promise not to do it for the rest of the good. episode. It is good. I'm I'm gonna stop. I'll I'll let you have all the air. <laughs> You know, the the youth of today. Yeah, yeah. You know, we got to take over for your old decrepitness. Someone has to. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, Cassie, do you guys have any plans um, for the summer, the godforsaken season, <laughs> for um, tabling or any fests or other shows that are forthcoming? We, um, we're going to be... <laughs> This is this is look at this. This is about to be a soft announce of something we're gonna be doing. Oh, man. Um, nice. Um, <laughs> we're gonna be having an online fundraiser uh, in July, and I'm very excited about it. Um, our idea is to basically have artists hop on Facebook and Instagram Live, play a couple songs, and talk about half access and um, and encourage people to go donate to us. So it's basically like zero overhead for us. Um, and even even if it's like a complete flop, at the very least, bands are connecting with their fans and their and their fans are learning more about us. So like even if like it doesn't end up being a successful fundraising method, I'm just really excited to get to hopefully connect with more artists and stuff and Hopefully we'll be announcing that in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then also something else that we're working on right now that we are kind of like slowly um, getting more out into the world um, 
We started a Discord server, and Discord's like Slack, if anyone's familiar. And so it's basically just like a place where, um, I don't know, it's kind of like a more private forum chat. I don't know what you want to call those things. It's very but weird because we use Discord, too. We use too. Discord, too, but that was because we were using it for like... I was planning on doing it for like our audience, which I think that like Discord is really good for getting fans and and supporters like involved. Exactly. And, yeah, and uh, you can do like voice chat, but then people use it for like Twitch to like stream games. Yeah. Or in there, and uh, I know you can have like it's sub a... Discord servers. So like if people are sub to you, then you can like have them in there. Uh, yeah, it's like I know Discord's so like they they make it sound so like video game specific oriented but it's like it can be used for some, like yeah. anything so that's interesting but um but yeah so we're making it we um we've been using it for a while as like our main like communication channel for our board members and like extended team and then um we were just like why not make some public channels and make it a way that people can get more directly involved and so um first we like started by like inviting um people who have already worked with half access and then um we uh, sent out an invite link in our monthly newsletter that went out a couple days ago. And so we're just like slowly like getting people in there. And then um, we should pro we'll probably be posting it on social media soon too, um, to get anyone who wants to be part of it in. Cause um, at the end of the day, like we're, you know, we're publicly like community funded. And so it's just like uh, we think that people should have a voice in helping shape what we do and giving their ideas and the more people, the merrier. Cause I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing. Like I'll come up with ideas, but then at the second I get together with like one or two more people, it's just like it, we just go off forever. And so it's like, uh, it's, it's fun. And I'm hoping that people will feel like that's a way for them to get more involved because at this point, like, Maintaining the website's very easy, um, and so it's not like we've really needed like volunteers, but we've had a lot of people asking how they can be more involved. So I'm hoping that this will kind of create more of a community um, surrounding Half Access, aside from just like any social media interactions, and so that way people will feel involved, and then they'll be more prepared for if and when um, volunteer opportunities come up. Awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add after? I mean, you had a lot in there, but if you want to throw in anything else, definitely feel free to. Um, I mean, at this point, that's that's kind of where we're at. We're going to be making shirts soon. We have them designed. Just need to face the daunting world of running a web store. But um, that's yeah, where we're know. at, Same. too. Same. It's it's horrifying. <laughs> but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I think we'll we're gonna try to find somebody who already does it or it's something or something. We're or trying just, to yeah, we're trying to figure out the designs first. Yeah, or just throw like the the container of t-shirts in the back of a car and just like drive up to places and be like, like beep beep. We're you here. guys want that podcast shirt? Come through. <laughs> we got those good podcast it's, shirts. It's like when you're a food truck and we'll just like set it up on our like Instagram. And be like, all right, guys. Yeah. We're at uh, Washington and Wabash for 50 minutes until they come and kick us out. Into like an actual like food truck like circle like in Portland. <laughs> and just like, oh, we don't have food. We have uh, these T-shirts for a podcast. You probably uh, I feel like don't they probably Do they have those in Portland? I feel like that they would. Merch trucks. 
I don't think so. Oh we could revolutionize this. Oh my god, we're gonna out Portland, Portland. We can out. We can Portlandia this. We can yes. get rid. Uh, that was the main reason I visited Portland. Yeah. I showed my friend one seat, one episode, the first episode of Portlandia, and because she, she's never seen it before, and she's like, "We're going to Portland." And this was like. <laughs> As we're getting back from Disney World, she's like, we're going to Portland in two months. I'm like, sick. Uh, that's the reason I would want to go, too. Yeah. It, it's exa- almost exactly like Portlandia. I swear to God. I'm I didn't see Carrie Brown scene, though. Damn. I know. Tragic. Um, yeah. T-shirts are a great uh, undertaking. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I think I'm I'm hoping that will give us like steady revenue so that way we don't have to stress as much about creating fundraisers mm-hmm. and so that way we can just focus more on what we actually need to be doing. So I'm hoping and then it's also like built in awareness cuz they're going to say make live music accessible very largely on this. So. <laughs> it's very um, simple too. Yeah. So people can be like, what does that mean? And then you would hope that they'd logically be like, oh, yeah. I get it. But if they don't get it, they can ask the person wearing the shirt if they're not scared to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> or exactly. Google it secretly. Google Just it. look at them and be like, okay, what is this? <laughs> I know what it is now. Yeah. Exactly. We can, uh, you can shout out all of like your, your social links and the yeah, website and guess, all that. You can shout out more of the bands that Brian doesn't know. Don't do that. I'll get so confused. Uh, no, but that's yeah, we'll, really, that's how I feel when all of my older friends, like they're just like talking about bands who I like, I know the names of, but I just never yeah. got around to, cause it's so intimidating getting into a discography where there's just like 10 albums and I'm just like, yep. I don't know where to start. Or they're like a really like obscure, like early emo even band. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like, yeah, youth of today. And people are like, the fuck is that? And you're like, what's up, guys? I like uh, I like bands that have released newer music now, but have like an old discography of like three albums that I listen to. Yeah. And it's like, cool. That Those are the only three albums, though. Like, don't listen to anything new. Like, just listen to those three. So it's like, oh, I'm getting really into this band. I finally have the, they have new music. No, no, they don't. They have they have old music. <laughs> their, their new music Enjoy doesn't music. exist. And then, you know, just move on. Just get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, anyone can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We mainly, I... I I have a Twitter preference. We're trying to get better at Instagram because I know that's where the young people are. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's all just at half access. Um, yeah, I'd say, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to have some grand thought to end on, but I have <laughs> no idea. Um, hopefully you'll be seeing a lot more of half access after june 15th when i am done with school <laughs> that's a mood yeah. yeah i'm just like i've just been waiting and waiting and waiting because it's like you can only do so much when you're doing 10 million things and uh i'm very excited to just have all the time in the world while i also have a crisis about what i'm doing with my life it's gonna be great <laughs> that never goes away oh yeah i will tell you i, ber- I graduated undergrad two years ago and guess what i'm back in grad school yeah i was like <laughs> Oh, I'm going to start a podcast at 31. And uh, here You're we are. You're doing so well. <laughs> and here we are. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> uh, 
It never goes away. Existential dread is a permanent part of the human experience. That's why everyone's emo now. So <laughs> that is that. Yeah, probably. And then they don't want to accept that they're emo. Like you get the kids and they're like, I'm not emo. And I'm like, are we 16 again? <laughs> You're 28. I need you to chill out. My get guy. over it. Usually, though, the indie kids are the one who get real pissed off when you when you call them emo. That was really funny. Good. It's real funny. Good. It's a pastime in my office, to me, honestly. We're all dealing with it. You have to deal with it, too. <laughs> but yeah, OK, you know what? Maybe I do have a grand, not really a thought, but just like a tip for anyone listening is just like if you have any sort of you could work in like any field and accessibility always applies. And so like if you're helping, if you're in any way a part of like events planning processes at all, just be like, hey, is this accessible? And if people either one, don't know what you mean or two, they're like, I don't know, like that clearly means there's room for improvement. And uh, I think it never hurts to just be the person to ask, like, is this accessible? Um, or if you're ever part of anything relating to diversity, make sure there's dis uh, disability representation. Because, like, I also, like, I'm a student journalist, and so it's interesting when I'm reporting on, like, a diversity panel or something, and there's, like, no disabled representation. Like, one in five people are disabled, and ableism is not talked about enough. Um, also, like, call out your friends who make ableist jokes. There's small things everyone can be doing that will make a bigger difference in the long run. Awesome. That's a much better place to leave it than talking shit about indie kids. So yeah, <laughs> we'll still do it though. But we won't we'll end on it. it. Um, well, yeah, Cassie, thank you for talking to us about this. Yeah, thank you for You've having enlightened me. me. You've given me something to think about. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll hope to see more of, uh, uh, of some half access stuff here in Chicago too. Since we're doing yes. well, I know we could do better. <laughs> yeah, plus we, uh, we've been doing this uh, emo karaoke benefit thing, too. So we try to have more charitable type of organizations and, like, awareness organizations mm -hmm. at these events that we do. So because it, it, it's for a benefit for a cause. So we like to keep kind of keep it in the family. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we will say goodbye on that note and uh, do an awkward uh, outro and uh, from all of us here at the Emo Social Club Podcast I'm Brian, I'm Lizzie and goodbye <laughs> don't know why I do that he just does it, <laughs> I, I can't explain it